Prati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We'll learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Hello and welcome back to Beyond the Goals. Thank you so much for tuning in and a very special thank you to all those people who have shared their concerns, their stories with me. Uh, Because every episode I've done so far, the topic for each one was chosen based on the interactions I've had with my website audience, be it via comments or emails, or what I learned during my workshops or one-on-one sessions. Now, they were all issues that, as I understand, most of my audience wants to learn more of, and I hope to continue sharing insight and guidance on topics that are important to you. So please keep sharing them. You can use the contact page on my website, Redefine Narrative, or DM me on Instagram, and feel free to share whatever it is that you want to learn more of, anything that can help you build a happier, healthier life. Now, with that in mind, today, I am going to talk about something very important. But before that, let me give you some idea of why the topic is so important to me. I have previously uh, shared on the show about my addiction and the complete breakdown of my physical and mental health that forced me to seek professional help. Now, this was a few years ago, and anytime I talk about it, I'm never very clear on what led to which problem. I had constant migraines, which led to the abuse of pain pills. But the migraines started happening because of the constant stress I was feeling. But the stress was also not exactly unfamiliar. It had just become much louder in that period. The pain pills, I think, loosened what little grip I had maintained on my sanity. And I started having these vivid hallucinations. And it all ended with a spectacular breakdown. Fortunately, I I had the sense to seek out professional help. And eventually it all worked out. But the point is that this did not start at 22 or 23. My life wasn't great before the addiction happened or before my mind started unraveling on me, or at least my internal life was not good. I had terrible anger issues, trust issues. My self-esteem was non-existent and I was constantly hurting the people who cared about me. But after I went into my addiction program, I was asked to attend workshops, support groups, and get therapy. And all of these programs that every addict is made to attend, they are aimed at getting the participants to talk. Because anytime you do something bad to yourself or someone else, there is always a reason for it. It is more often than not your way of exercising your demons. And you're basically just expressing the pain that you've suffered and just haven't found a healthy way to address. And for me, it was during these discussions with my therapist or with the members of the support group that it felt like I met myself for the first time. I discovered these stories that were playing on a loop in my head and I realized that my mind was twisting even the best parts of my life into something ugly. It was during therapy mostly that I realized that the neglect I'd felt as a kid, the labels that had been pushed on me unintentionally, I'm sure, by my parents, teachers, my sibling, they'd all become so deeply embedded into my subconscious that every attempt to be something different just led to more and more confusion. Even when my external experiences would tell me that I'm not the person they've been telling me I am, it just would not work. And the frustration would come out in the form of physical and verbal aggression. I would shut down all communication and go into my head for long periods. I would isolate myself 
and build these scenarios in my head that started affecting my health. So it was healing the childhood neglect, the hold up memories and emotions that finally uh, sort of opened these new avenues for me to explore that finally made some real growth possible for me. It honestly turned my life around. I went from the kind of rock bottom that shreds your dignity to nothing to living a fairly healthy, happy life. And the change was so massive and it was so deep, I guess, that even the people closest to me had a hard time believing that I was the same person they'd always known. That, my friend, is the power of healing. And it is also the reason I decided to do a solo episode because I feel like I have a lot to say on the subject. So yeah, I'm going to discuss healing with you, be it past trauma, negative emotions, emotional bruises, anything that's consciously, subconsciously holding you back from living a healthy, happy life. And healing is important for everyone. You don't have to be an addict or have anxiety. This is necessary for you if you have anger issues or you're constantly on the defensive or fear guides your decisions. Basically, if you struggle in any way in any part of your life, there is something there for you to heal. You have a story that needs to be acknowledged, understood, taken apart and rewritten in a way that serves you, that builds you up. So let's start by understanding what emotional healing really means. Emotional healing is acknowledging events, circumstances, past memories, emotions that may be blocking our growth, acknowledging and processing them in a way that allows you to take away their power. Your past is still your past. You can still recall each negative memory, except if you are able to heal from their impact, these memories and events will cease to be as emotionally charged. Now, I know that this explanation is reductive because healing, be it emotional or psychological, it is a long, difficult process and the progress we make is not consistent or linear for that matter. Especially for people who have suffered severe emotional traumas or spent years on a self-destructive path, the process of healing is going to be a long, painful one. But it has to be done because it is, frankly, the starting point of growth. If you're trying to build a strong, solid structure, you have to start with the foundation. The same thing applies to our character, our personalities, the life we are building. We begin by cleansing old wounds and giving ourselves a fresh start so we can start building a better future, the kind of happy, healthy life that isn't corrupted by our childhood or the abuse of failures we may have suffered. So there has to be healing before there can be growth. Another reason you need to do this for yourself is because where there's unhealed trauma, what our mind does is it erects barriers, big strong walls to protect us from similar pain in the future, right? Growing up, my emotional outbursts were either ignored or strongly criticized. And now as an adult, I find it hard to ask for help because some part of me clearly still fears being criticized or mocked for my vulnerability. We all have similar defense mechanisms, things we do to protect ourselves, which is not a bad thing. The only problem is that these walls we build up, they don't have independent intelligence. Anything that even remotely resembles a threat is neutralized or shut down. But sometimes that change in our environment, what our mind is perceiving as a threat, may be an opportunity that may lead us down to some new avenues of growth and happiness. The walls that keep the world out also keep you locked in. They keep you restricted to only what is known and familiar. Consider this, for example, people who have been hurt in the past find it difficult to trust even if they are with people who really care. They find it hard to share their feelings. They find it hard to open up which keeps the relationship from growing. 
and you may end up losing this amazing person because you failed to build a healthy reciprocal relationship and give them what they needed. Or maybe you failed at a business venture. Suddenly, now you're making all new decisions from a place of fear. The negativity bias of our brain holds on to negative, painful experiences for a long time and it obsesses over them. They have a deeper impact on our psyche than the good we experience in our life. Yet another reason for you to prioritize healing. And while there is no one-size-fits-all approach to healing, unfortunately, there are a few things you can do that can help. So the first step would be for you to acknowledge that there is something to heal. While some of us deliberately deny any real cause for concern because we are afraid to prod at old wounds, others may be genuinely ignorant of any hidden issues. A lot of people with anger issues blame the stress from work or running a home. When our relationship keeps failing, we often think it's because of the person we have become. An inability to maintain good health gets blamed on the hectic schedule and an overwhelming to-do list. What a lot of us don't realize is that the problems we are facing may not have its cause in the person we are today. It could be childhood insecurities or damage suffered at the hands of a careless parent. The issues may be a self-defeating belief system. So you need to begin the process by cultivating better self-awareness. Try to notice your thoughts, feelings, reactions, and behavior in different situations. Listen to what other people tell you about your behavior. For instance, if you are constantly told that you have a scary temper or that your reactions are often out of proportion to the situation or you are unnecessarily aggressive, you may want to make note of it. It is very common to express pain through anger. You basically, you need to note patterns that may point to anything that needs fixing, the kind, of, the kind of relationships you have. If you keep having one toxic relationship after another, it can be more than bad judgment. Maybe you have trust and intimacy issues, avoidance, difficulty committing to a job, place or person, addictive or compulsive behavior. You need to make a note of it all. Now you can use journaling to do this, make daily records of how you spend your days, events of note, and your own behavior. You can use a notebook or a phone or a, even a video recorder, whatever works for you. You can talk to other people, ask them what they think about you, what according to them you need to change about yourself, what your strengths and weaknesses are. And here's a tactic that really worked for me, letter writing. When I was struggling with my issues, my relationship with my mom was not going so well. So I wrote these letters to her. She never read those letters. They were just meant for me to explore everything that I'd never actually talked about, never even considered to be an issue, even in the privacy of my own head. But once I started writing these letters, things would start come pouring out of me. It was definitely an emotionally painful process, but it was also an awakening of sorts. Because you start to understand that whatever you're experiencing in life has a reason for it. And once you've pinned down that reason, you can find a way to fix it. So definitely try letter writings. And sometimes we have an old memory and thinking about it makes you feel awkward or afraid or maybe just react in a way that you can't quite explain to yourself. If there is a person connected to that memory, you should try writing a letter to that person. You don't have to give that letter to anyone. You can write it and then burn it if you want. It's just that when you start writing these letters, you may already know that you're angry at someone or maybe you've done something to hurt them. But when you actually put all that in words in black and white, you begin to really understand what the crux of the matter is and why it continues to bother you. The same thing applies to journaling, be it a written record or audio or video journaling. Another tactic that can help is finding a trusted confidant and using their help to explore old memories 
and inviting a somewhat objective and a fresh opinion on whatever may be stored up in your psyche. So just to recap here, the very first step is building self-awareness and we can break it down here. Step one is identifying emotional bruises or experiences that continue to obstruct your growth or cause physical, mental or emotional disturbances in your life. Step two is processing the information and making note of exactly how the identified issues from step one impact you, your body, mind, relationships and performance. As and when you discover something new to work through, give yourself time and space to process the information. Now, as part of step three, I suggest you identify what has been happening and what should happen. For example, some of us at the beginning of a relationship create this false character for ourselves because of certain ideas carried over from a previous relationship. And to clarify, consider this. Maybe in your last relationship, you gave too much of yourself and always felt like the other person took you for granted. So in your next relationship, you hold yourself back. But if you're the kind of person who likes to spoil and pamper their partner, you're essentially pretending to be someone you're not or handling the relationship in a way that doesn't allow you to fully express yourself. In this example, once you identify the issue, you make note of how you've previously behaved and then you come up with a healthy solution, one that considers the kind of relationship you want, the kind of partner you want to be, and maybe also takes into account what your partner expects from you. And based on all that, you come up with a solution that actually works for you and allows you to nurture your relationship. Basically, you create a template. You can apply that template to similar situations and come up with the answers you need that help you find the right response in a situation that has previously caused you grief or hurt and is categorized as a possible emotional bruise, experience or trigger in step one. Step four would be to, to actually heal the damage. Rationalizing the situation, putting it into perspective is well and good, but you need to heal whatever broke inside you when something didn't go your way, when you faced failure, rejection, or you've had a trauma that has left you with internal scars, shame, or guilt. Healing is a process that requires dedicated effort. You need to create a new narrative for yourself. And also just a few techniques that may help. Technique number one, and this is definitely my favorite, it's visualization. I tried meditation when my anxiety was at its worst and it did not work. But then I tried visualization, right? And it worked like a charm. I loved it and I think it was uh, Vishen Lakhiani's creative visualization technique that I tried and it gave me pretty good results in only a few days of daily repetitions. I have since, of course, added layers to it, modified it to what I need, but it was definitely the very first mindfulness tool that actually worked for me with all my anxiety, and it actually helped me find a lot of relief. So it is definitely a technique that I strongly recommend. Now, what visualization does is it can be used in a lot of ways, but what makes it so key to healing is that it helps associate positive emotions with something that originally caused you pain. So I'll give you a simple example here. If you perform badly in an interview, there is a very good chance that the next interview is going to make you more nervous than ever. Now in this scenario, you can recreate the previously embarrassing interview in your head and simply change the ending. Instead of wrecking the interview, you see yourself acing it. Athletes use this technique before a big game, students use it, and it's definitely a useful tool to control your anxiety as I've already mentioned. So I suggest you try it for a few days and see if it works for you and pick a scenario, the scene, if, if there's some previous memory you want to recreate or you want to create something entirely new 
or maybe revisit even a happy memory. When you visualize something that triggers a happy emotion, there is usually a corresponding physiological response as well. It helps create not just a positive emotional shift, but it might also aid in physical healing. Once you've identified what it is that you want to visualize, choose the right environment, make sure there are no distractions, no cell phones, somewhere you can sit comfortably, close your eyes, do some deep breathing until you feel calm and relaxed, then create a scene in your head, engage all your senses into it until you feel completely immersed in the scene playing in your head. If this is too complicated for you, you can use Vishen Lakhiani's creative visualization video on YouTube. It is the one that helped me get started. And once you're comfortable with it, you can modify it in whatever way you like. Another technique that can help is practicing affirmations. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the concept of affirmations, there are sentences you repeat to affirm the information you want your brain to have. It is a dialogue between you and your mind. So basically you create the series of sentences. You repeat them over and over again. And by doing so, you let your mind know that this is the truth of my life. This should be granted a degree of control. When you chant a particular affirmation over and over again for days and weeks, it gets coded into your subconscious and your mind will be shaped by whatever it is that you're choosing to focus on. Your mind will gradually accept it as your reality and then your belief system will realign itself to accommodate the shift in your mindset. And if you have never written affirmations for yourself before, here's a very simple trick to it. Just use simple short sentences starting with I and make them positive. So instead of saying I have no debt, say something like I am financially abundant. And I recommend doing this exercise as soon as you wake up or before you go to sleep because right after you wake up and right before you fall asleep, your mind is at its most vulnerable and it absorbs all information. So you can either do it in those periods or you can do it standing in front of a mirror. And if you do it standing in front of the mirror, you need to look into your eyes and use your name. This is mirror work and it has been known to uncover deep-seated insecurities and heal painful issues. Something else I'll recommend that might help you with your issues, communicating, sharing, or simply exposing your vulnerabilities, your issues. Once you've learned to clearly identify and label your emotions, be it with the help of journaling or letter writing, you must learn to communicate them. Bring them out into the open. The ideal setting, of course, is a therapist's office. But if that seems too much or if it's too expensive for you, you can simply confide in someone you trust. Now, why I'm recommending this is because if you hug your trauma or any negative emotion to yourself, it's going to fester and grow in intensity. There is no scenario where it's all going to resolve on its own. It will continue to affect your life for as long as you keep holding it within yourself. So you need to make yourself vulnerable by sharing what it is that's holding you back or crowding your emotional space. You may not be able to soothe the emotion right away, but you'll stop feeling ashamed about it. And once the shame falls away, you can work on the emotion itself. As you discuss your issues with another person, you'll be able to look at them from a fresh perspective. Open communication may also help you process those things in a more productive and healthy way. Also, when you expose your insecurities, emotional bruises, or your trauma, it loses a little bit of its power because suddenly you're normalizing it. And I know it seems almost impossible, especially for people who have suffered abuse of any kind, but when you come out and talk about your experience, it stops being this deep, dark secret. It's, it's no longer a part of your identity. It's simply something that happened to you. You know, it starts to lose its power. But when we keep it to ourselves, we obsess over it. 
You may even indulge in self-flagellation or self-blame. But when you share it with other people, you invite a new perspective. And you can view it in a less emotional light. So you are better able to analyze it and put it in perspective. For me, as I shared at the beginning of this episode, it was all the talking I did during support groups and therapy that helped me explore my own psyche. And it also suddenly made it easier for me to look at everything that was broken. And instead of getting emotional about it, crying about it, I started to figure out the best way to fix the cracks. It's obviously not an overnight thing. It takes a while for you to bring up these issues and not break down. But the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Another step technique in this process would be for you to take responsibility for the state of your life. A lot of us have this victim mentality where we we constantly blame other people or things or luck or a higher power for the things that go wrong in our lives. What a lot of people don't realize is that when you hold other people responsible for the state of your life, right or wrong, you give up power. You are saying that someone else or something else is running your life for you. So remind yourself that whatever happened in the past deserves healing, but what happens now is in your hands. You know, we know of all these public figures, all of these people who have survived unbelievable circumstances, and somehow they found a way to come out on top. And if you read those stories, if you look at these people, they have lived their dreams and achieved their goals. And what they're basically telling you is that there is nothing, there is no circumstance, there are no odds you can't beat. Take inspiration from these stories. And whether you do it through visualization or affirmations, just find a way to put yourself in the driver's seat. As a child, what happened to us was not in our control. But as an adult, we take the credit and the blame for it all. And now these practices, they take a little time to show results. You can find a way to do all of what I've shared in this episode. I want you to take better care of yourself because the process of emotional healing, it is exhausting. It is a long, painful one. So keep checking in with your body and your mind and be kind to yourself. Eat healthy, exercise daily, give yourself regular breaks and definitely, definitely get proper sleep at night. Read good, inspiring books, listen to good music. Do anything that feels good to you, that makes you feel rejuvenated, recharged. And as you go through this process, treat the pain that comes your way in a constructive way, because it is always a negative experience that prompts us to make a shift towards growth-oriented change. So instead of viewing these painful moments of your life emotionally, label them as opportunities. As I said at the very beginning of this episode, that if I had not had that massive breakdown that was so painful and awful for me, I would also never have found these programs. But going to therapy changed my life. Going to all these support groups and talking about everything that had been buried deep inside me really turned things around for me. So I'm grateful for it, the worst period of my life, because it led to something really, really good. So believe that the pain is there to help you grow. You get to learn and then you get to move on. When these moments hit us, there is a loss of emotional balance. They may lead to mental health issues. They may even lead to physical disruption. But as the process of recovery ensues, always, absolutely always, we come out of it stronger than before. And that's something to be thankful for. And I'll reiterate before I end this episode that healing my emotional issues helped me overcome my addiction, helped me improve my relationships, manage my anxiety, and it helped me find the kind of internal stability and strength that now allows me to survive challenges without falling apart or lashing out at others. And I don't consider myself done, of course, we are all a work in progress, but the healing that I've already done has massively changed my life for the better. 
And as and when something new comes up, my instinct is never to repress it because I have a deep understanding of what healing does for you. Whenever something goes wrong in my life, I take the time to process it, to feel it in its entirety, learn whatever I can learn from it, and I, I try to grow out of it. But to find the strength to do that, you have to heal whatever has happened to you in your past. Now, I know that there is so much more that can be said on this subject, but for now, if you are suffering, I would really like for you to just try these techniques, try this process. And as I've already said, this is not an easy process. So if you find yourself overwhelmed, it is absolutely 100% okay to ask for help, in which case you can definitely approach a professional. If you can't afford therapy, you can always use forums or local support groups. There are a lot of online workshops that can help. And of course, there's YouTube uh, that's filled with amazing content. Now, I've already recommended Vishen Lakhiani's creative visualization technique. Definitely try that. I'll also recommend two books here, Rising Strong by Brene Brown. It's all about embracing vulnerability and rewriting your narratives. And another book I'll recommend is You Can Heal Your Life by Lewis Hay. It is a book that's entirely focused on healing and even share some insight in how, how trauma may manifest itself in form of physical ailments. Now, if you liked today's episode, if you found the information I shared useful, I'll appreciate it if you please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. Until then, please take care of yourself.